You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. We are going somewhere this morning. Um, if you're a visitor, we've been in the book of Acts for a while, and um, we're halfway through, and today is our last day in the book of Acts, because God said so. <laughs> he he kind of told me that, and I'll explain in a little bit. Um, but we are going to look at Acts chapter 13 this morning. But first, let me, let me ask you a question. Um, have you ever, like, been told something or, like, tried to learn something and you didn't get it the first time at all. Like, you thought you got it, but you did not get it. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? For instance, like, my wife, she'll send me to the grocery store all the time, and she'll say, hey, I need you to get this, 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 and this. And I'm thinking, got that. Go there, get this, 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 and this. Come home with the bag, give it to her. And she's like, you got this instead of that? I said, 100% whole wheat bread, not wheat bread. (laughs) What? There's, there's a difference? Why would it say wheat if it's not wheat? Like, it's different. Like, for instance, the other week, well, this last Sunday, she said, hey, she sent me the text. This is the things you need to get at the grocery store. For We had our college game night. And so on there, I look at it, and it said two pounds macaroni salad. I go to the, the deli. I say, I literally look at it, and the lady said, what would you like? And I go, two pounds macaroni salad. I get home, give her the bags of groceries. She pulls it out, and she goes, what is this? Like, macaroni salad? Do we eat this? Uh, I guess not. We get Amish mac. Amish macaroni salad. I'm like, yeah, that's true. I know that. She's like, it even looks different. I said, well, I did think it looked a little different whenever she scooped it, but I read the text. Two pounds macaroni salad. That was wrong, apparently. Like, that happens all the time where there's a miscommunication. I, sa- I said to her, I said, why do you still send me to the grocery store? Like, every time. Like, there's always, like, I've, she, she bakes a lot. And she's like, go, oh, can you pick up a couple sticks of butter? So I come up, come back, I came back with margarine, which is different. And I've come back with unsalted when she needed salted butter. There's just too many details on labels. Like, don't send me. Sometimes when we approach something, we think we understand it. But we're, giving, we're looking at it the wrong, the wrong perspective, we're looking at it with the wrong eyes, and we miss what's really there. We think we got it, but we don't really get it. Does it make sense? You guys track with me? And this morning, I think so often in, in, in life, we do the same thing with who God is. We do the same thing with the Scripture. Let's look at Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 15. This is Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey, and starting in verse uh, 13, um, that's what I meant. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos, and they came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Poseidon. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and from the, and of the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand, he said this. And we'll kind of look at that in a second. Let me, let me set the scene. So they're on their first missionary journey. They've gone to this island and now they've sailed back up onto the coast. They're no longer on the island and they come to a synagogue, a Jewish synagogue. And they're in the synagogue and the leaders of the synagogue look at them and say, hey, do you guys have anything to say? Now this sounds very strange, doesn't it? Like you've got these random strangers showing up into your church and you're like, 
would you guys like to preach? That's probably not a good method of picking preachers for Sunday morning. That's not exactly what's happening. A lot of scholars think that in this time, if, they, if one rabbi or one synagogue leader would recognize another visiting synagogue leader, it was customary to give them a, a, a moment to say something, to encourage the local body. And so some people believe that Paul and Barnabas were actually wearing something similar to like a clerical collar, something that would show and demonstrate, hey, this is who we are. We are we're rabbis. We are, we are teachers of the law. We are Pharisees. We, we say that that's who Paul was. So they wore something, or there's some indication to this church that they have some kind of official status to share the scriptures to them. Make sense? It's not just like random, hey, whose turn is it to preach? Random guy. We don't know. Let's go ahead and share. That's not a good method. Uh, but this, here's what Paul says, and I want to sum up a few verses here, and we'll pick back up. Um, actually, let's just read in verse 17. Uh, The God of the people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arms, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, look at this, 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them the land as the inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel, the prophet. And then they asked for a king. And God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Of the man's offspring, God brought Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised before his coming. John proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? Am I not he? No, but behold, after me is coming the one whose sandals I'm, uh, of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and these among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of, his, of this salvation For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found him of no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and they laid him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who have come come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring to you the good news that what God has promised to his fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. I want to stop there for a second. Here's what Paul, Paul says when he walks into this church full of, of Jews who are in just their normal synagogue service. He says this, he says, For generation after generation, God has promised relief. He has given you. He put up with you in the wilderness. He suffered with you. And he relieved all these, got rid of all these nations so that you could have this land as an inheritance. And then you needed judges. And then you needed a prophet. And then you wanted a king. And then after that king, I gave you a king with a a man who had a heart after God. And still out of his lineage, I said one would come. And then when he came, you were in church reading about him coming and fulfilling the words that you were quoting where you would reject him. 
You were reading it and studying it and being diligent to observe the law, to observe the Scripture. And while you're reading it, you're doing the very thing that it says. You are rejecting Him. And you are putting Him up for persecution and crucifixion when there was no, nothing wrong to be found in Him. You missed all the prophecy. You missed what you were reading every Sunday or every Sabbath. The, he's saying, for generation after generation, I have said that He was coming. And when He came... You missed it. You missed him right in front of you. You were studying. You were religious. You were doing your, your, your acts of the law. You were following it to the T. But in the meantime, you were fulfilling what was written to persecute him and miss him completely. Verses, uh, let me read. Let's pick back up here in verse 30, 38. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is free from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Skipping to verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited a devout woman of high standing and leading the men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So basically, let me say what happens. So Paul preaches this message that you missed it. It was in front of you every week. You were studying it. You were being religious, and you missed what was in front of you. And they say, hey, come back next week. So when he comes back next week, he basically is stirring them up again. Like, here, here's the prophecy. Like, even David was saying that. It was saying that his body wouldn't see corruption. But David, who you thought this was all about, his body's in the ground and corrupted. Jesus was raised back to life. So there's the prophecy you missed. So and they're like, come back next week. They come back next week. And Gentiles receive this. They're excited now. Because now they're free. What was that verse that we read? Free from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. They were under this law. They were studying. They were, they were, they were looking for rescue, but yet they were in bondage. And here came Jesus to give them freedom. And the Gentiles and some of the Jews were the ones receiving it. But other Jews were angry that he was speaking these words in their church, in their city. And they kick him out. But we still see at the end of that passage that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. There was, God was still moving despite rejection. This morning, I think, I, I feel so often we go to church every Sunday morning and we really still miss it. We still miss what God's doing. And I'm not saying salvation. I'm not saying we miss knowing he's, he is Lord or knowing that he loves us. I, but I feel like we still are missing the deepness of what's happening there. We study it every Sunday, and it becomes just what we do. It becomes just habit. And when God shows up, when he's in the presence, we miss it. Exodus 19. I'm going to look there real quickly. Once again, we see the people of Israel, and this is right after they're led out of Egypt, about three months later. We see in Exodus 19, God says this to them. 
to the people. Now, therefore, you will be in de- if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession among all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. God says, Israel, I want you to be a kingdom of priests, holy nation for me, that you're going to be holy and you'll be priests. What does that mean? To be a priest is the one who communicates with God, who hears the word of God. God says, this is what I want for you, from you. And then God begins to, to tell them, gives them the, the Ten Commandments, and, and there's this moment, I want you to look at this in, verse, in verse, or chapter 20, verse 18. Now when the, all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpets and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and they trembled and they stood far off and they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. God says to them, I want you to be priests, all of you priests. I want you to all hear who I am. I want you to all draw near a holy nation. And then they see the power of God on the mountain. They see the lightning and the trumpets and they see the flashing and they get afraid and they say, no, 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 no. Moses, you go do it. You hear from God. We don't want to hear from God. We'll die. God wanted union with them. Instead, they chose boundaries. God wanted intimacy. He wanted them to be a kingdom of priests who all heard and felt his love. They felt his power. They felt the experience of God. Instead, they said, no, 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 give us a law. Moses, you go experience God on the mountain. You go deal with God. Just give us some, just tell us what God wants us to do. God said, I want union. They said, we want boundaries because we're afraid. If you don't have a revelation of the goodness of God, you will miss out on the presence of God. Moses said to them, all that lightning, all that thunder, he's, he's just testing your heart. That's all it is. He, he, he said to them, he's like, people, God's just testing you. And they said, no, 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 you go here. So often we get so consumed in like just going to the church and the law of like, I need to do this as a good Christian. I, I know that Jesus saved me. And we get the concept of it. And we study every week and we do our devotions or whatever. But we miss out on union with the Father. We miss out on the experience of his holiness. We miss out on his presence. We miss out on his love. If you don't fully understand the love of God, you'll see the smoke, you'll see the thunder, and you'll run and hide. When God's saying, no, I want you to come up experience smoke, thunder. I want you to experience my power. I want you to experience what I'm doing. Does this make sense? Uh, uh, maybe this is too, too large of a concept, but First Peter, First Peter. I know I'm flipping around more than usual, but this is in my heart this morning, and I, I hope that you're getting this. First Peter, this is, this is an apostle now. This is writing to the church that's spread out. This is to the church that's running because of persecution, but yet they're still faithful. They're still... And, and this is an encouraging word to them. This is what he says to the church now. This is to the church, not to Israel. This is to the church. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy 
but now you have received mercy. The good news this morning that I want you to hear is that you may have missed the goodness of his mercy, the deep revelation of his spirit, the deep revelation of joy in his presence, the deep moments of intimacy, the deep moments of union with the Father, and it's all become religion. Everything's been religion so far, but what I'm telling you this morning is it doesn't have to be that way. You get a second chance. You get a moment to say, God, I want to experience union with you. In Peter, we see him say to the church, I am calling for you now to be a priesthood, for you to experience my marvelous light, for you now to be a, a, a joint nation, a chosen race where you experience me. And I would say this, and maybe this is offending to some people, but I would say the church at large does not understand what it means to be a royal priesthood that experiences royalty in his presence and what it means to commune and have union with the Father. This royalty, let's let's look at that for a second. If you're royal and your father is a king, what do you have? Everything. You get the privileges of a kingdom. And so often we hear these verses, but we think that we are orphans or that we don't have any inheritance or that all we have is the money that we see and the money that we feel or the little house that we have built. We don't recognize the inheritance in the kingdom, that the earth is his, and because it's his, it's also mine. I'm his heir. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. If you want a Lamborghini, go out and say Lamborghini three times and God gives you a That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But when I, when I lose a job, when I have no money, is my ref- response fear, anxiety, worry, stress, tears, frustration? Or is my response recognizing that the earth is his and I am his son, his daughter, and he's, his eyes are on the sparrow so he cares and provides for me? Do I have fear in that moment or do I love and recognize my inheritance in the kingdom and know that he'll provide? whatever that looks like. Perfect love cast out all fear, and God is love. So if I know my Father, and I know his love, and I love him, and he loves me, I don't have room in my heart for fear, stress, anxiety, worry, any of that stuff. I would say if those things, and this is where I get offensive, and I don't apologize. <laughs> I would say if those things are ruling in your heart, you haven't experienced union with the Father. You're still doing the religious Jewish thing where, hey, let's go to synagogue, let's read the text, and all the while we are missing what's happening right in front of us. We are missing the union with the Father. They missed his presence. His presence was there with them, and they completely missed it. Physically, it was there with them. And now we see that his, Jesus says it's better that I go away so I can send the Holy Spirit to be here. So we have a better thing than they did when he was walking the earth. That's, I know that's a bold statement, but that's what he said. It's better for me to leave so that he can come. We have a better experience with the Father, with Christ, now that he's not physically here because he is here in every other sort of way. And so often we miss union with the Father. We miss the experience of being in him and dwell, him dwelling in us. We're going to start 
these next few weeks, we're going to start looking at some things differently. I said we're getting out of Acts because I feel like God's leading us this, this way. I can't tell you what God has done in my heart these last few days. I'm hoping to display it, and I'm hoping that you get a glimpse of it. But I believe that we have to be a church that understands what it is to know his love and deeper revelation every day of our lives. And we have to understand his presence every day of our lives. We can look at it and completely miss things every day by by attending church. Let me tell you this. He's more than the thing that you're looking for. God's more than just financial help. God's more than just happiness. God's more than just joy. Life in his presence, life in his love is more than that little thing that you're looking for. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that we're far too easily pleased with everything else. I forget exactly how he worded it, but we take all this, this junk and we're far too easily pleased. God's more than what you're looking for. God's more than that void in your heart. God's more than that. God's more than just rescue. God's more than just like some big lifeguard in the sky. He's like, oh, he's got to mess up again. Let me pull him on out. That's not who God is. God's more than that. So if that's how you view God, you're missing it. You're studying it, but you're missing it. You're missing the, what's more. God's more than just forgiveness. God's more than just this cosmic, like, do-over guy. Like, well, you screwed up again. Do-over. That he's more than that. He's more than that. He's more than just a new kingdom. So many churches, so many believers are constantly waiting for the next kingdom. We're waiting for eternity. We can't wait to go see the Lord and be taken off in a chariot and there'll be a new kingdom and blah, 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 blah. I love all that. That's exciting. That's, that's a promise. But we also have the promise of, of joyful life today, to have life more abundantly here on the earth, to be rulers and reigners here on the earth now in the present, not just in a future kingdom. God's more than some future kingdom. It's his kingdom here and now that we get to demonstrate. So if you view Christianity as let's all get a ticket to the next thing, you're missing this thing. You're just like the Jews where you're looking for the promise and the whole time he's standing, his presence is right here in front. He's more than religion. They read it every week. They were good at it. They were good at the law. Paul, said, Paul is the best example possible of this. Paul says, I kept everything to a T. I was the best Jew of all Jews is what he says. I was the best. And I completely missed it. And God had to blind me, knock me off my horse and say, why are you persecuting me? We can get so religious. Let, let's just be real honest for a second. When Jesus gets angry, when Jesus confronts people, who does he confront? He confronts the Pharisees and the religious people, and he calls them the sinners. I would say the, one of the worst sins you can possibly do is to be religious, to be stuck in the scriptures where you miss grace, you miss love, you miss experiencing union with the Father, and you're just pointing the finger and saying, well, here's what the law says. I stay in the law, and I don't do this, and I don't eat this, and I do this. Sorry if I'm angry, making somebody angry. Not really. I'm kidding when I say sorry from now on, just so you know. (laughs) If you have questions or frustrations about anything, talk to Ben afterwards. He would love to talk to you. (laughs) Don't talk to me. Um, I would say Facebook Ben, but Ben doesn't have a Facebook, so Instagram him, I guess. I don't know. Um, Let me say this. God is more than what you see. I was at this conference this week, and um, I was in one of the sessions, and honestly, it wasn't the best session. It was like, it was okay. 
and they spoke for an hour, and sessions at this charismatic conference can go forever. Just, just so you know, I think I spent 30 hours in worship, and it was amazing. Not really 30 hours, but it was a lot of time in worship, and like 20 hours in, in, in sessions. And it was great. And um, the lady looks at the, the other speaker's daughter, who's about, I would say, 16, 17, pretty young. And she says, she says, can you come up here? You need to say something over everybody. And there's, there's easily 400, 500 people in this session. And she's a 17-year-old girl. She's not a speaker. It's not what she does. It's not, not her thing. And I see her get up front, and you can see she's not prepared. She doesn't, she doesn't have a clue what she's saying. And she just gets up there, and she just closes her eyes. And she says, could everybody just shut your eyes for a second? I want you to do this. She says, everybody shut your eyes. And now imagine your spirit outside of your body. And then she says this. Now make it bigger. She said, you are more spirit than you are flesh. That is the truth of who we are. When she said that, that rocked me. Because so much of my life, you can open your eyes if you want. I see half of you with your eyes open, half of you peeking with one eye like, are we allowed to do this yet? So much of what we do is based on our flesh. What we see, what we experience, what we taste, what we smell, like it's what we do. It's what we live out of so often. But how many times in Scripture does it say to be people of the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to put away flesh, to get rid of flesh, but to be led by the Spirit? You are more spirit than you are flesh. Flesh, I'm not saying flesh is bad. God created flesh. He gave us all those senses, senses so that we can enjoy those things. But if we're not enjoying what he's doing in the spiritual world, then we are missing most of what we were created to, to enjoy. We are created to be people who are led by the Spirit of God, who have communion with the Spirit of God. I don't want to be a person who only sees the natural text and the surface level and hears the, the wisdom of God without ever letting it penetrate my heart and be led in my spirit to not experience the spiritual love of God. I don't want love of God to be a concept. I want it to be a way of life. I want it to be something that flows in and out of me. That there's, my spirit has rivers of living water coming out of me. That's what we see in Scripture. Matthew chapter 11. I know, it's a lot of verses. You're in a charismatic church this morning because there's a lot of verses being quoted. Some people just stuck out the door real quick. I'm kidding. Matthew chapter 11, real quick. Verse 25. At this time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sometimes, 
Jesus says, I thank you, God, that you've hidden the things from the wise, and you've revealed who you are through me to children. And it's not saying literally you have to be four years old to know the heart of God. It's the heart of a child, this innocent faith that doesn't overdo things, that doesn't try to figure out all the systems of everything, but just has a faith, a faith and receives what God's doing. Make, does that make sense? He says, when you, when you have a heart of a child, and he goes right in from talking to that, to this rest, this easiness, this peace that comes with that. When you have a heart of a child, you just trust the love of your father. You don't try to, I've never seen Haley like write like a four-page report on the love of her dad. Like, it's not what she does. She doesn't, well, the daddy's love is this, daddy's love. She just knows what it is. She knows my love for her. She trusts my love for her. She trusts me to provide for her, which sometimes is very frustrating. Like, she breaks the toy, she thinks she's going to get a new one. It doesn't work that way sometimes. <laughs> it's like, you trust me a little too much. Calm down. You don't know what daddy makes. It's easy. Keep them <laughs> toys together. Get out the duct tape. Let's do this. Sometimes we become so religious that we overcomplicate the gospel. We overcomplicate the hidden truths of what it is to live a life in Christ, to live a spirit-led life. We try to doctrinalize everything and theologize everything, and we're really good at attending church. But we miss his presence in worship. We miss his presence every day. I'm thankful that what I experienced this week and what the love of God that wrecked my heart multiple times this week, I don't just experience that at a conference. That's not something that's just held in the room with a couple thousand people. That's something that I get to live in. I get to stay there, and I get to have more and more. We, we sang about him satisfying us, and that's absolutely true. The, the hole in our heart can only be satisfied in God, but God is so big and so awesome that when we go to him and we get satisfied, we want more of that. You ever go to a restaurant and they have, like, the best meal, and then you leave and go, well, I've already had that, so I'll never go there again. Nobody ever did that? It's because when you have something really, really good, guess what you want? More. I went to the Greek-American place and got a, a, you say gyro, I say gyro, whatever. I don't know what it is. I got one of those. I was ready to go back the next day. I'm like, that was the best gyro I've ever had, you know. My wife is, like, kind she's like, easy, easy on the gyro, so calm down. Like, I took Kevin there this last week. I'm like, hey, hey, how about we go get some Greek food? <laughs> like, when you have something good, you want more of that. Everything else in the world doesn't satisfy, but only his presence is what we were created for. We were created to have union. We're not created to have religion. We are created to experience love. And what I want to look at over these next few weeks is what does that look like? Jesus says here, it's the simple, it's the, it's the kids who get it, not the intellectual, not the scholars, because they mess, they mess things up. And you've hidden the mysteries, you've hidden who I am from those people who are too smart for everything and revealed it to children. Do you ever, um, back in the 90s, I've talked about this I think before, they had those 3D pictures that were like, it was kind of just like, it looked like a collage of colors. There's nothing there. And you put it up to your face and you do one. You guys know what I'm talking about? If, anybody? Okay, I see four hands. So it was just me and my childhood, I guess. These 3D pictures that you put up to your face and you, you find the picture. And um, at first, like, so every, the person beside me is like, you got to look for it. It's right, right. You don't see the zebra? No, I don't see a zebra. I don't see it. And they're like, you got to look for it. And and so I'm like crossing my eyes, I'm squinting, I'm like doing not, like all these things. And then somebody said, no, you're trying too hard. Just, just look, just look through it like you're not even looking at it. And all of a sudden, like, bam, I see it. 
The gospel is right in front of us. His presence is right around us all the time. But we have to be people who recognize we're just spirit-led, we're presence-driven, we want to be in his presence, and that's what we have to live out of, where we can go through our entire Christian life and completely miss what he's trying to do. We can completely miss the joy of the gospel. And I, I, I'm not saying you do this, you miss the joy of the gospel, and you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying. You can be saved and still miss the power that changes your hearts and minds, the power that gives you life and joy. So many Christians are saved, but they don't experience peace. So many Christians are saved, but they have anxiety eat them up every day. And I'm saying that when you understand the love of the Father and you you don't complicate it, there's no reason to be in fear. There's no reason to walk around angry. It changes everything. And I, I, I want that in you. I want you to experience a love that changes everything. It's easy. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. Let's not make it difficult. Does that make sense this morning? Maybe it doesn't to you. I want us to be people of his presence. We, we read that verse, and we're going to look at this a, a little bit more later on in the next few weeks. That verse was talking, when, when Paul is giving his story, or the history of Israel, and he gets to David, and he said, a man after the heart of God. If you look at the story of David, why was David a man after the heart of God? Because he spent so much time in worship. He wrote a ton of psalms. He's out in the pasture as a shepherd, and he's worshiping the Lord. He's, he's called in to worship in front of Saul, and he's just worshiping the Lord. Even when he becomes king, when he, guess what he didn't do? He didn't sit around and try to strategize and plan and try to think, what would be the best economical thing for Israel right now? He would go literally to where the temple was, to where the people of God were, and where there were worshipers, and he would go spend time with the worshipers and the prophetic voices and hear what God is saying in worship, and then he would go make a decision. He would be led out of worship. David was a man after God's own heart, not because he did everything perfectly, but because the things that he was, the things, the decisions that he made were led out of worship, which worship is loving and experiencing the presence of God and feeling his love on you. I want to be people of presence of a spirit. We have to be people of love.